From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Great spot. That was awesome. And I really meant it. If we change it to just who's getting the alcohol, we're just going to get drunk all the time, I'm going to nominate myself. Some horse's ass who does not love this country. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go to Monday. Cofield and Company. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Adam Hill is here. It is Steve Cofield. Much to get to today, including uh, updates on how the Al performed in terms of parking and cooling the place down. Big game yesterday with the Gold Cup soccer, 60,000 plus fans. So that's coming up in a little bit. We're expecting a convo with the head of the NFL Hall of Fame, David Baker, in less than 10 minutes. Exciting times. Big, big, big week for Raider Nation. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. All right, we'll go right to the Gold Cup. You were out there. You were covering it. Uh, I guess the game was real good, right? Oh, it was a great game, yeah, for sure. I mean, even though it was, you know, everybody likes to make fun of their 0-0 soccer uh, all the time, it was a really, really outstanding uh, 0-0 game. Shots all over the place, chances all over the place, goalies played well, uh, teams couldn't finish in the end, but... I thought it was a really exciting game. The crowd was great. It was loud. Everybody's into 80, it. 80-20 support for USA? <laughs> I thought it was about – I thought I thought going in it would be 70-30 Mexico. Uh, I thought walking in it was like 90-10 Mexico. Oh, my God. And then once you started hearing the crowd, I thought it was 95-5. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was crazy. crazy. It was crazy. It was nuts. Was it a civil affair in the crowd? For the most part, it yeah. seemed like it. I mean, I did see a couple of videos of some fights going on, but they actually handled pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I didn't see a whole lot going on. I mean, I was very focused on the game, but um, usually see a lot of people like congregating in one area or looking in one direction if there's a fight. Didn't really see much of that at all. You were upstairs, right? Yeah. So it's box. almost impossible to see half the stadium below you. Sure. You'd have to lean over at the risk of like flipping out of the... But that's when that's when you know like if there's something you can't see, like everybody's turning around. Oh, okay. So you can see like the front half of the section, right? And everybody would be turning around. I never saw much of that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was a, a great atmosphere and a, a fun time. What does the win actually mean for USA? In the end, nothing. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, it, it, although it was a, a huge message to Mexico for a couple of reasons. One, um, I would imagine I haven't I haven't checked Twitter in a couple of hours. Uh, there's a pretty good chance it got Mexico's coach fired. Oh wow. Uh, because that's two wins over Mexico in championship games in the last six weeks. And, you know, he was kind of put on notice. And, like, Mexico sent, I'd say they're A-minus roster. They sent a pretty good roster. A pretty similar roster to the one that competed in the Nations League final. Uh, Eight starters were the same, I think, from those two games. So they sent a pretty good team, and the U.S. did not. They sent exactly zero of their top-line players. Uh, I think, what, two guys... Uh, two or three guys that were on the Nations League roster were in the game yesterday. So, um, I mean, people were calling it a B League roster. I would say like a C, D roster uh, for the U.S. And for them to win that game and to find a way to, to you know, scrap and claw and, and get the job done, uh, I think sends the message. I, I saw 
I'll just steal this directly from uh, the the soccer broadcast from the other day, even though I didn't think it was that great, but it was what they were talking about of if you say like the 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 history between the U.S. and Mexico is like an accordion, like for the last couple of years, you know, maybe decade, it's been like pushed way out. It's been, you know, spread out on the accordion. And now it clearly is either exact, you know, pulled all the way in and pushed together or even like flipped now. Like it's, it's pushed all the way through and the U S has kind of passed them because um, in the next couple of years, this is, and I'm sure people have heard this 20 times before in the past, this next four to five years, the 2026 world cup is when the U S should be competing for a world cup title. A World Cup title in 2026. Can they make the field? Well, they're gonna, I think they're making next year, 2022. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's been the pro- that's been the problem. Yeah, uh, they're going to improve that much. Yeah, the, the the team that they could potentially have, of course, it's five years. Oh, look at Adam, all fired. You're back. You're back on board. Everybody stays healthy. Um, you know, everybody's on the right track, and, and they all stay together. And the you know the organizational organization holds together. Um, they should be competing in 2026. There's there's almost no question. That means 2022, they have to make the field. They have to be, you know, at least not embarrassing, I think, in this upcoming World Cup if they make it. And then I think four years from then, in 2026, that's when it should be. But they're learning how to win now. They're they're getting that experience of, you know, even the depth guys. Like, this is not the top-line guys, and they found a way to win. So it's, it's huge for U.S. soccer. But the actual right. game, nothing. All right. I know uh, much of Vegas was watching it. Uh, and, you know, it's a sporting event. So we've had a couple concerts in the Al, so it was a test for a sporting event. I know you talked to Hunter Renfro today at Raiders availability after practice, and the, the wide receiver for LVR was just talking about how uh, cool it was to see a, a big-time event. He wasn't there, but, you know, he kind of was taking in the magnitude of this whole thing. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I watched the game last night. I didn't, I didn't go to it, but uh, I was excited to watch it. I think it came on like 5.30 or 6 and sat down and watched the whole thing, and that was a, that was a cool atmosphere. It was cool to see fans in the stadium, um, but the Knights game was one of the best, you know, sports atmosphere I've been to. Uh, it's going to be so exciting to get Allegiant Stadium rocking and, you know, the support that um, the, uh, the Las Vegas, you know, and Raider Nation, but kind of coming together and creating one. Um, the locals of Las Vegas, uh, it's going to be a unique scene, and it's going to be something that we're going to have to put on a show for, for sure. Should be, right? Should be. Sounds like somebody and, asked him a great question. Yeah, that was your question. <laughs> uh, and we'll see, game by game, we'll see what the sport is like. I think early in the season it's going to be, you know, 90-10 Raiders as the season moves along. You know, we're going to talk Cincinnati Bengals football later on with uh, Mo Egger, who's a national guy for ESPN Radio and does uh, ESPN Cincy. Uh, I have a feeling for that game, uh, not that there'll be a ton of – Bengals fans. That would be a game that a lot of Raiders fans will look to sell, though. They'll try to, right? Sell to other like Raiders of, the, fans. of all of all the home games. But so actually, yeah. that that you know, in a way, that Bengals game might actually be the rowdiest, one of the rowdiest crowds of the year because the wine and cheese crowd. And it's not all of you, but who could afford thirty five thousand dollars on up for PSLs? That may be the game you bail on, and then uh, you know, hardcore Raider Nation, bunch of the violators, uh, those types of guys will get in. Yeah, I'll say I'll say this about the atmosphere because people were talking about how many fights are there going to be at this soccer game. Yeah, just like the Raiders game, <laughs> did you see the prices for the soccer game? Like, if you know how much people were paying, yeah, I don't think people are paying that much money to get in what, there and get kicked. What out. were they paying? I saw you were uh, busting chops on some national soccer guy, Nick, that we've had on before because he was like, "I'm not paying this much." You know, I'm not paying three fifty, and you responded like, "Why? How'd you get a ticket for three fifty? That, that's cheap. How'd you find that?" I know. Uh, I. I Listen, a lot of these times it's just it's you know hearing information or whatever. But I saw a screenshot 
of somebody that paid twelve thousand for for good seats right before the game started. Wow. I saw somebody was asking for eighty thousand for a ticket, which is nuts. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't think they got it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was the first sold out sporting event at Allegiant Stadium. It's historic, but it's also anytime USA and Mexico play in soccer, it is massive. And to to dismiss dismiss it or to call oh, I don't like soccer. Fine, you don't have to. Well, I mean, that's just stupid. It's great. If you're if you're still tweeting stuff like that. You're a moron. And also, to suggest that there's no interest, obviously there's interest. If you've got sixty thousand plus on the resale market, is you know whatever. Yeah, a no, few hundred bucks on up to thousands. You're just you're out of the loop. In terms of the atmosphere stuff, um, you know, I I can gauge sometimes on my dad as as you know, like he's not really a sports guy. He doesn't know anything about sports. Um, he enjoys every once in a while flipping on a game or whatever. And he turned it on last night down in New Mexico, and he was texting me. He's like, "This is really cool." It looks great with the fans. It's loud. It's and he's despises soccer. Uh, I think uh, one time I took him to a, a, a World Cup game, not not the actual game, but like a bar where there was like thousands of people gathered to watch the game. I think he was embarrassed uh, that his son had, had been in so much into soccer. Uh, but yeah, he was like, "This is a very very cool thing to watch." Um, so I mean, even even somebody like that was into it just because it was the the atmosphere and everything around it to to see it. And I guess probably we won't get as many games as I hope in the future because the pitch was a little too narrow. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's, you know, one of those little small details. A lot of NBA news coming in. Uh, we'll get to CP3 and Kawhi opting out of their option. Whoa! We're talking 44 and $36 million, but we'll get you an answer on that one. But uh, Sham's mom, Sham's mom just came in. Oh, boy. Uh, one of my brothers looks like he signed a lucrative deal. Or at least the offer sheet. Lonzo Ball. Oh. Failure. Flop. Not going to make it. Hmm. Well, I would say an $85 million contract offer for four years. All right. This has to be a bad team. The Golden State. No, it's the Chicago Bulls. Okay. Yeah. Bad team. Not necessarily. (laughs) With him. It's a a silly. Do they have to overspend? Yes, it's, it's a silly deal. Him and Zach Levine in the backcourt. Okay. Yeah. Seems like a lot to get. Why are you angry? Why are you angry for my family? I'm not angry. I just hear you told me that contract, and I was like, okay, this is not a, this is not a good <laughs> franchise. This is a bad franchise making this. Movie. Lonzo Ball and Lamelo will both go into the Hall of Fame someday with the Basketball Hall of Fame with the Lakers. <laughs> the basketball some they'll go in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, in some form or fashion. All right, let's talk a little NFL Hall of Fame. This is a gigantic week for Raider Nation. Uh, David Baker runs the whole thing. He's up with Cofield and Company with Stephen Adam here in Vegas. How are you, sir? Stephen Adam, great to be with you. We are excited in Canton. We're about to have the first full stadium for football in 18 months. Which means so much. It really does. Like, I think, you know, maybe we've all lost sight of what went down because things are sort of returning to normal, but... What do you expect the atmosphere to be like, not only for the stadium, but also the uh, all the other festivities? Well, understand, we have 23 events here over 17 days, so we're all under, already underway. And um, it has been exciting, and it's going to be great. Um, you know, we'll fill it not only for football, but we'll have 5,000 people for dinner for the gold jacket uh, presentation celebration. Uh, then for each enshrinement, we'll have another 20,000 both nights. And... Um, you know, we have a, a parade that's actually, um, you know, believe it or not, this, and I feel a little self-conscious saying this to guys from Las Vegas, but here in Canton, it's like the fifth biggest parade in the, in, in the United States. 
uh, for all these guys. And then we'll finish it off with a concert with Brad Paisley and Leonard Skinner. And uh, it, it's going to be a great activity. we got seven national programs with 17 and a half hours of uh, national programming. And uh, people can watch the game on Fox and the uh, enshrinements on ESPN and NFL Network. Nice. Uh, well, there's a lot to unpack from what you were just saying there. Uh, I love that they're doing. Uh, you guys are doing the concert with uh, Leonard Skinner and Brad Paisley and Peyton Manning, bringing the band back together again. Cheesy line from the insurance commercial, but uh, but uh, I actually, uh, is there a possibility Peyton shows up and sings a little bit? You know, there could be. We also uh, we already had some fun with him at the Super Bowl, and Brad was lobbying me not to have Peyton in the Hall of Fame, and of course that took about <laughs> ten seconds to get him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but Brad was lobbying me because he figured that. If Peyton made the Hall of Fame, then he'd want to be in the Country Music Hall of Fame, and then yeah, you know yeah, he'll yeah, want to yeah. be in the band and want to run the band, and the band will be singing a song called Omaha, and uh, it was uh, <laughs> you know they're they're both a lot of fun. So you, I mean, you talk about the events and what it means, kind of for football and and for for everyone to you know start to all these things are getting us back to normalcy, but I mean in the end, the Hall of Fame is it's a tourist destination. It's a place where a lot of people like to go. How much is this kind of the signaling, hey, everything's back and, you know, open for business again? Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, we're having thousands of people a day go through here already. And, uh, again, the Hall of Fame is kind of a big bucket list for a lot of people. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, as people get back into action, it's it's really proven a place that, where they could be. And we did a lot of things that expanded the hall and put in new exhibits like the Founders Exhibit. And, uh, you know, during this time, we used the, best, the time to the best of our availability. And then we've got Hall of Fame Village that is being built around the hall. Uh, so, yeah, I think if they come back, they're going to see something that's really special. But it's it's really cool this time of year. We think it's the best five days of football. Uh, normally, we would enshrine between four to eight into the Hall of Fame every year. Uh, because we had to cancel the centennial enshrinement, uh, that was 20 Hall of Famers for 2020. Uh, it was the biggest class we ever had for the 100th anniversary of the NFL. And, we, and you add that to this class of 2021 that's got Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Tom Flores, um, you know, Alan Fanica, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Drew Pearson. I mean, that in and itself would have, either one of them would have probably be the best class to ever go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Combined, it's 28 guys, and uh, it, it is very, very special. Amazing. Well, I want to get into, uh, you mentioned a couple of Raider names there, and I'm sure Raiders fans are excited about that. Uh, but with Calvin Johnson, are, does this mean we can officially stop the comeback rumors? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you can. <laughs> I, I, I think you can. He's been out for five years is what this means. Uh, but he is an incredible player. And uh, and like I've, as I've come to know somebody, he's, got, he's a really sweet guy. Uh, you know, when, when you knock on their door, um, pretty much they all cry. Uh, Charles Woodson cried. Tom Flores cried. Uh, they all cried, and, and it's it, it's not because they're counting their money or their Super Bowl rings. Frankly, at that moment, they're thinking about their mom. Uh, I promise you, who drove them to practice when they're eight years old, or their dad that wouldn't let them quit, or their coach uh, who inspired them, or teammates who helped them get there. And uh, I remember Charles. Uh, we, we knocked on his door at about ten o'clock at night in Detroit. It was incredibly dark and 19 degrees below zero. And uh, he came outside and he cried. And he, he, he is, uh, I, I think it's a special moment. And it's great to give these guys a special moment because they provided so many special moments for all of us who love the game. 
You mentioned uh, Charles Woodson and Tom Flores. They're obviously a big, big weekend for Raider Nation. Uh, are you ready for uh, some of these <laughs> folks to come to Ohio? Yeah, we are. You know, we got we got Mark Davis and a whole lot of the uh, Raider staff set. We're looking forward to Raiders. I should also say, by the way, we do a thing here uh, with Ford, who is a valuable partner, called the Ford Hall of Fans. And we pick three fans that are voted by all the other fans. And uh, Wayne Mabry, the violator out there with the Raiders, is one of the fans that's going to go into the Hall of, Hall of Fan, Ford Hall of Fans on Saturday. So uh, you guys are just killing it out there. But, uh, you know, Charles is the first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, Tom Flores is a wonderful coach uh, by anybody's standards. But I think that there's a whole lot of the Hispanic community um, that really feels great about him coming in. Uh, so we've got a, a whole lot of Latino dignitaries uh, coming in for Tom. And we're going to make it a spectacular time for both of them and for all the Raider Nation. David Baker, head of the Hall of Fame, is joining Cofield and Company. He's a busy guy this week. Uh, it's already started. What do you got? The, is there some kind of balloon thing going on this week in uh, Canton at the beginning of the week? Yeah, we just completed that. I, I think okay. we had 130,000 people for it. Wow. Uh, so, it, it, uh, for the, like I said, for the parade in this place called Canton, that is a little bit like Mayberry. If people haven't been here, uh, you know, uh, the parade has 3,000 at that. So, it's a, it, it's a very cool time. And, uh, and again, I think it's a lot about the history. I think you'll, if you tune in, uh, you know, like I said, to the game on Fox or to the uh, NFL Network or ESPN for the enshrinement, you'll see Charles and, and Tom and uh, a lot of guys telling their life story. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're media trained because they've been on shows and interviewed by a lot of guys like you, but they've never had to tell the story of their life to millions of people. And uh, for me, that's always a special moment because, um, you know, not all of us are, are going to, you know, play football or get paid for it or have a bronze bust here in Canton. Um, but by looking at their journey and how they persevered and how they fought and how they drug a whole lot of other people to greatness, there's a lot that we can learn and be inspired by. Uh, maybe to be a better dad, in my case, or a better journalist uh, like you guys or a better comp- company or community or country you gonna wear the sunglasses during all the uh, hall of fame speeches to uh just in case you leak a little bit well actually um you know i, I think there's some significant crime i was going to tell you about it you know, with calvin johnson as i'm leaving his house at probably 10 30 at night now yeah uh, he asked if i'm going back to Canton, and i said no i'm going to go knock on charles woodson's door <laughs> and, and he said oh you're going to go collect some more tears i said and they all know they all cry and there's a lot of crying at this, uh, but I don't have to cry because uh, I'll generally be the six foot nine, four hundred pound guy sweating through a suit here. There you go. <laughs> not not good, big fella heat. Believe me, we uh, we know all about it out here in Vegas. We're uh, yeah. we're not exactly slim ourselves, sir. So uh, thank you so much for the time. We'll be looking forward to watching this. This is quite the challenge, and I'm sure you guys are going to do an awesome job. And Raider Nation is rejoicing over uh, all the honors we're getting. Thank you. Thank you. We got 5,000 volunteers that are waiting for you guys, and uh, go Raiders. There you go. David Baker, head of the Hall of Fame, and he's not joking. He is 6'9", 400. He's a gigantic guy. His son was in the NFL, Sam Baker, out of USC. He should be on the show. Oh, yeah. We need a, we need another company member yeah. to slim me down. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I think, I think are you gonna, are, Well, I don't know if you're going to watch. I'm sure you're going to watch the, the Raider uh, in, speeches. induction speeches. I will tell you, Drew Pearson – 
uh, might be the guy who gets me because he has, you want to talk about a guy who's been dying to get into the Hall of Fame. Like he took this as a personal affront that he wasn't in. Cause I think, I think it's something like the, of, of the 20, it's like 32 players on the first and second all time seventies team. He's like, he might be the only one not in or wow. one of two that wasn't in. And he was always like, I don't get what's happening here, but he's a very passionate guy too. I think same thing with a uh, toe flow. Should we go with it? Tom Flores. Is anyone going with that? I'm trying to make it like so high. I'm trying to make it happen. No, I don't think toe flow is going to work. Toe flow could work. It'll be very emotional. He uh, waited a long time to get he in. He waited a long time and he's really wanted this and he's really deserved it. And, and I, I think as, uh, as we were just alluding to there, it's, it's bigger uh, for a lot of people, especially in the Hispanic football community, uh, than it is even for him. So very, very cool that he's going in and all the, you know, the Raider connections this weekend. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. You know, it's, uh, last year was hard because he was hurt all the time. You know, he, he didn't have the off-season program, and then he missed 10 weeks of the season. You know, this complex thing we're trying to pull off here, I don't know what you saw today, but we're not going to call exactly the same plays when Marcus is in the game than when Derek's in the game, and you wouldn't either. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio. And I think for Marcus to be great, he has to run plays that he's good at and that he likes. That's what we do for every quarterback. Let's go, let's go. Raider Nation. Let's go, let's go. Raider Nation. Are you ready for some football? You ain't ready for no football. You ain't ready for the Oakland Raiders. It's the invasion of the Oakland Raiders. Are you ready for some football? You ain't ready for this football. All right, here's John Gruden on the way back. Uh, Gruden over the weekend. Availability on Saturday. We're going to hear from Hunter Renfro. He spoke today. A little later on, Richie Incognito also spoke today. I know uh, Adam got all fired up about what Incognito uh, chased, you know, looking at the sun and putting his fist up. These kids these days! So Incognito coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Marcus Mariota, you guys were talking about him last week, and now I feel like there's a little bit of a spotlight on Mariota uh, at Raiders camp with people covering the Raiders and Raiders fans, but might be a team out there that is in big need of help at quarterback and boy Mariota would fit the bill and I think it provides a great opportunity for the Raiders to take advantage of desperation and get some value back but let's start at the front end of the story and that is we saw the reports beginning of the weekend that Carson Wentz had a foot issue sounded like it wasn't going to be the entire season now all bets are off he's getting surgery and I've never seen a timeline like this it's between it's between one and 37 weeks I mean, it's five and 12 weeks, which, you know, a month without your starting quarterback, six weeks without your starting quarterback. Okay. 12? That's the freaking season. So, first of all, how did this happen? They said it's a, a high school injury. Oh, no. That he's been dealing with his whole career. It's a recurring injury? It's been He's been dealing with it his whole career, and it just deteriorated to the point where it just snapped. Which, man... I mean, you would think something like that shows up in a physical. They may have known about it. I don't know. Um, I mean, the first the first thought I had, even before I started thinking about the Colts, is sucks for the Eagles. Totally sucks for the Eagles. 70% of snaps he has to play to get a first-round pick. Yep. That's out the door. So their their uh, conditional first is gone because he's, he's certainly not playing 70%. They're no. lucky if they have him for 50%. Yeah. So that's out. And... So now, like, you have to figure out what to do. And again, as you said, 
the timeline is a killer for the Colts. If it's five weeks, cool. Let's see what you, you got with, with Eason. It. Right, you deal with it. Or, or Brett Hundley, who they signed. Sure. Hundley, Eason, Ellinger, Jalen Morton are the quarterbacks on the roster right now. All right, you deal with it. You know, the beginning of your season was going to be tough anyway. It's a real aggressive schedule. Uh, I'm not saying that you, you know, you expected to lose the games. But now, I mean, if it's eight weeks, if it's 12 weeks, you got to go get a quarterback. Yeah, you or guys. you're basically doing what the Texans did a few years ago when, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson went down for the season. Colin Kaepernick was available, and they're like, nah, we're just going to punt the whole season. In le- and that was in, like, week three. Yeah. Well, and you've got, I mean, the usual suspects. First of all, I immediately was like, hmm, Deshaun? What do you got? What do you got, Houston? <laughs> I don't think they trade him in the division, so that's probably out. But, unfortunately, the – the Colts put their eggs in the Wentz basket, so I don't yeah. think they're turning back on that yeah. one. And so then you start thinking, okay, well, Frank Reich needs a quarterback. What's Nick Foles doing? He's the third stringer in Chicago. Right. Let's go. Uh, but then I think everybody, you start looking around to backup quarterbacks around the league and who's serviceable enough for a team. Don't forget, they don't just need a quarterback. It's a team that has playoff aspirations. With Carson Wentz, I thought they were at least the co-favorite to win the division. Now, all of a sudden, it's, it's the Titans division to lose, and you know you don't know what you're going to do. But you need a quarterback. You, you can't just throw away seasons where you might make the playoffs uh, if you're them, and that's kind of where they are right now if Wentz is out for that extended period of time. So what backup quarterbacks in the league might be good enough to take you to the playoffs with this team? And I think Mariota's at the top of the list. It's so. not even close. Yeah. Mariota's the best. And for the Raiders, then that means the asking price has to be real aggressive. I'll give you some other second and third stringers who they could bring in, the Colts, now that Wentz is down for at least a month and could be out for three months. These are not all great names, but could they add them to the mix? Nate Sudfeld, Niners. Eagles ties. Foles, you mentioned it. He's on the Bears, Mariota, Raiders. What about going to the Bills for Trubisky? Possible. Right? They don't necessarily need Trubisky. No, not that Fromm's a great backup, but if and what you're thinking here, if you have a good second stringer and you're, you think your third guy is pretty decent, your second stringer might really be able to fetch you something nice here sure. from the Colts because they're so freaking desperate. Uh, Chase Daniel is a backup on the Chargers. Nick Mullins is actually the third stringer with the Eagles. Uh, Kyle Allen is the third stringer with football team. And then uh, Brian Hoyer is whatever he is, third or fourth stringer, but he's got starting experience. I mean, it's not – these aren't great options. No, Mariota is a great option. Mariota – I mean, he blows everyone in this group out of the water. Although – Which means that – you know what the price is? It's a second. So, we didn't talk about this. It's a second. We didn't talk about this. I I uh, jumped on on uh, the press box this morning uh, with Grainy and Adam, Candy, uh, and they asked me what the Raiders would be able to get in a trade for Mariota, and I said, a second-round pick. That's what I would hold out. I mean, which is which on, which on the surface is ridiculous, but they don't have a quarterback, and he might be out for th- freaking three months. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think, you know, Mariota is at a, at a point right now where he's, he's valuable for the Raiders. I think, you know, could he be used in certain ways? Sure, but I think mostly you don't know about Carr. Like, you have a team that you think is on the upswing. You can't afford for an injury to Carr, potentially, to derail you completely. And you've got – perhaps one of the best backups in the league, kind of a valuable guy to have. So unless you're getting a second-round pick, you don't just give him away for nothing. No. Why would you? It doesn't make any sense. Max so, value. So, yeah, you're going to try to get what you can from him. Now, that being said, uh, you watch Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice last week, Saturday practice, you're probably like, 
maybe we get a first. Maybe we get two firsts for that guy. He's looked that good. All right, on the way uh, back, let's uh, let's find out how Mariota looked. Uh, Mariota looked today, and then we'll also get to the Vikings quarterback room, which freaking the latest news just blows my mind. The phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. So we were just talking about the developing situation in the NFL with the Colts. First starting quarterback is down and could be down for a while in Carson Wentz. Foot injury, foot surgery. Timeline is bizarro. It's five to 12 weeks. We were just saying, uh, listen, the Raiders need a good backup. But to this point, right, knock on wood. Derek Carr's mostly been an Iron Man. If you can get some good draft capital for Mariota and really stick it to the Colts because they're desperate, maybe you try to do it. Now, you were just saying, and I saw a lot of you guys at Raiders camp raving about the play of Mariota all of last week. Do we judge this day by day? Because uh, I was, I get the the inkling that today wasn't as good, or Saturday wasn't as good. What day? Uh, today. Today? I would say – not as good is very complimentary to Marcus Mariota. Um, it, but, I, but I think the reason it's like, you know, Derek Carr is very consistent. You see it pretty much every day. He's, he is what he is. He's a very good player. He makes the throws. Last year at training camp, and we talked about this, Marcus Mariota was not only injured, but mentally just crippled. And he was so, I think, out of it from what had happened in Tennessee and the way he, it was handled and everything that went down there. Um, he couldn't throw like a five yard crossing route in the middle of the field, real short, the easiest throw to make. He couldn't do it. It was a, a disaster. And you had people looking around like this guy is the same guy that won a Heisman trophy and took a team to a playoffs. This guy, it looks like a, a fan put on a uniform and it was that bad for much of the year. And again, there's reasons he was hurt and mentally he wasn't there. Then you saw when he actually had to come in the game later in the year, he was really good. Now, the last couple of days, the first few days of training camp this year, he was unbelievable. Right reads, ball coming out of his hand so well. It's just every single throw. And to the point where you didn't have to see the number. You just knew if there was a great throw, it was Mariota. He was unreal and moving around really well, using his athleticism and everything else. And then today, I don't know what happened. It wasn't, it wasn't like last year again, but it was just bad. Like every throw was off. It was all over the place through one of the, you know, the players haven't been really defending the ball. They've been kind of letting the offense, you know, they've been showing like, oh, I could have caught this if I wanted to, but kind of letting it go. He threw a pick on just a, you know, a bad roll to the right, got, you know, too aggressive with it, tried to force it in, got picked uh, by Kwiatkowski. Um, And then there was just other throws that just weren't there. And it was, it looked bad. So, you know, I I don't think you judge it day by day. Guys have bad days. I I was looking around the league today uh, for the different training camps of, you know, updates, you know, uh, 49ers camp, uh, you know, Trey Lance might be the best quarterback of all time. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't belong in the league. Right. Today. And then, I saw, and then I saw Lil Shanny coming in afterwards and he's like, he's not starting. <laughs> Trey Lance is not starting. Right. Like, just stop asking me, please. Yeah. Um, and then other guys like, uh, well, Teddy Bridgewater had a great day today, but I guess he had a bad day Saturday. Right. Like, uh, okay. It happens. Yeah, of course it does. But it just, I think because so much, attention was on Mariota today because everybody has been remarking uh, about how well he's looked. And then today you arrive at camp 
like right away when they're stretching this morning, 730 or whatever it was, uh, everybody sees the tweet while we're on the practice field about Carson Wentz. And of course, the first speculation is, all right, are they going to get Mariota? So we're all kind of looking at Mariota. One, two, one, two, one, two. His okay. throws are all over the place. It's crazy. Well, we'll get an update on the Vikings quarterback room and uh, who was shining on Saturday and today because they don't have any quarterbacks because they've had a positive COVID test and most of the room was exposed. How is this still happening? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. All right, let's get to uh, some baseball. Big weekend, big uh, Thursday and Friday with the trade deadline. Lots to hit. Also, some of the other uh, gambling happenings of the weekend. Our guy from D.C. and the Sunshine Man podcast on Friday nights. And more importantly, wagertalk.com. Dave Koken checks in. What's up, Dave? There uh, you are. You got us, Dave? Yeah, I didn't do anything, so I don't know what uh, why I wasn't coming through. Oh, this, this damn app. This damn app. Uh, Dave is uh, hooked up with us now. All right, Dave, let's get into it. Um, first of all, Something weird away from the field, because I want to get to all the trade deadline stuff, but wait, the Mets took a guy number 11 in the draft, they didn't sign him, and now he can't sign with anyone. Take us through what happened here with Kamar Rocker. Well, they didn't even make him an offer. Um, I guess they found some arm, arm issues. Uh, they've got his draft rights until next year, I guess. I, I believe that's the way it works. Uh, so he can go elsewhere and play professionally if he wants to. I doubt that will happen, uh, and he'll get drafted by somebody next year. And the Mets really don't lose a lot because they'll get the supplemental pick, which will be number 11 overall next season. Oh, it will. So they go right back in the same slot. Uh, yeah, it's the uh, first slot after the top 10. Okay. Although we should track what happens in the next couple of years with the picks that went right after Rocker. And if, if there's a if there's a star that went, you know, in the in the top 20, that they passed on because we we had heard about Rocker's issues before the draft, hadn't we? Yeah, uh, there had been rumors of it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I don't understand it from the Mets' perspective. I mean, if he if it doesn't work out, well, so what? I mean, the guy's got great stuff, and he might have been a steal at number ten, uh, considering that his upside is is enormous. Uh, a lot of guys have arm troubles, and and maybe even require Tommy John and come back from that now it's just not that big a deal Dave Kogan's with us let's talk a little baseball and what's going on uh today uh interesting game Dave from a betting standpoint with the Phillies and the Nationals this one's coming up in about 20 minutes so you've got Gray in his first start over from the Dodgers part of that Scherzer trade and then the Phillies are using Ranger Suarez as a as an opener so what do you think about this one uh, right now it's basically a toss-up yeah, semi-opener because it looks like maybe they're going to stretch him out. I, I think he could go really? as many as he, he could go as many as fifty pitches tonight, is what I'm seeing. So that's you know that would cover like three innings. That's more than an opener. Yeah. So I I don't know. I haven't figured out what the Phillies are doing all year long. I, I um, to be honest with you, they can't seem to make up their mind whether they're contenders or pretenders, and they don't really have much of an identity. And they I, I guess they are what they are, which is a 500 team. Uh, I, I didn't play anything today. I, you know, we'll see what Josiah Gray does. He has a lot of upside. He's in an organization now where he's going to get a chance to be a starting pitcher, which might have been a while coming uh, with the Dodgers. So great opportunity for him. Uh, but the Nationals have mailed it in for the season, and, and uh, 
I just don't know that I, I want to bet the Phillies at this point. Who I didn't bet it. I actually, Dave, I was going to say, who are you more encouraged by for a, a quick turnaround? They're both going to rebuild, but the Nats and the Cubs, I thought, did it right by you know stripping the club of anyone who had any value. They get something back for them. Who do you think has the quicker rebuild, the Cubs or the Nats? Uh, I'll say the Nats because they've got Juan Soto. And you can literally build a team around him. He's that good. Of course, you know, the Angels have been <laughs> trying to do that for years with Mike Trout, and it hasn't exactly worked out. But, but uh, Rizzo's pretty good at this. And uh, I, I, think, I think the Nationals will I, – I think they're going to make a pitch to get Scherzer back in the offseason. We'll have to see what, what happens there. Hmm. Well, the Nationals have bailed on the division. They're six and a half out. All the other teams are just kind of hanging around. Who's going to win that division? I, I would say the Mets. Uh, maybe the Braves. I mean, I, I guess the Braves, even without Acuna, might have the best roster at this point. I, I think it will boil down to those two. Um, and the winner will, if, unless DeGrom is fine come playoff time, the winner will be out of there in a hurry. Let's talk American League. First of all, did you like the Yankees edition of Andrew Haney? Nah. <laughs> Look, he's never, he's never materialized. Yeah. Uh, he just doesn't. He doesn't have consistent command, uh, and until that problem goes away, he's going to be prone to big innings. Um, so I don't. I don't think much is going to change. If anything, it could get worse because he is pitching in a good ballpark for lefties. But fact is, I mean, there's no, there's no place tougher to pitch than New York City, as far as uh, harsh media and fan reaction. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this isn't Anaheim, so. No. We'll see what happens with him. Orioles are 1-6-9. Haney in his Yankee debut is minus 280. What the hell? Well, it is the Orioles, and it yeah. is Lopez, who hasn't been real good. And, I mean, the Yankees do have a pretty good lineup right now. And, and they got hot. Uh, at least it's the start of a hot streak. The American League East is looking pretty interesting. No doubt. Uh, Dave Koken's with us. All right, well, let's talk a little more about the Yankees. Uh, Rizzo homered in his first game. Chris Bryant homered in his first game. Baez homered in his first game for the Mets. Who do you think is going to have the biggest effects on their new team? Uh, I think Bryant will. Uh, I, I think Bryant's going to flourish in San Francisco. And I, not that the other two. I, Baez will have to wait and see. Rizzo will be fine. Rizzo, Rizzo's going to be a hit in New York City. They're going to love him. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I really, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Chris Bryant guy. He's had injury issues, but the guy's a tremendous player, and uh, I think he could have a great stretch drive with the Giants. Is this the beginning of the Giants basically locking up Bryant long-term? Well, I think they'll make a run at him, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I obviously have no inside information on that as to whether he wants to play there or someplace else, but looks like a good fit for him. So like Dave mentioned, uh, the AL East is getting real interesting now. Uh, Rays are up on the Red Sox by a game and a half. Yankees are seven games back. Blue Jays are still very competitive, and they get to actually play home games now. They're eight and a half back. But the freaking card up the sleeve or multiple cards up the sleeve for the Red Sox, you tell me, what's the impact going to be, one, of Kyle Schwarber returning, and then Chris Sale, how much can Sale pitch? I mean, his numbers in the minors have been outstanding. These are yep. That's two big freaking boosts here for the final 55 games. Yeah, especially Sale. I mean, that's, that's enormous. If he's back to being Chris Sale – what a weapon that is. Uh, as for Schwarber, if it's hot Schwarber, he's going to have a, a big impact. If it's cold Schwarber, he won't. He, he is a very streaky guy. He can go pretty bad at times. Uh, and uh, we'll see how he responds. But listen, Fenway Park's a good fit for him because 
he can go the opposite way and they've got that short wall uh you know he'll hit a lot of home runs there and and right field has always been great for lefty hitters dave Koken, his stuff is up at wagertalk.com all right dave i know you had another good golf weekend this is what are you, have you had five winners this uh this season in golf that were 10 to 1 or better well yeah you, you better be getting 10 to 1 or better in golf uh, this was the big one, though. This was an 80-to-1 shot. Uh, and it's funny. I hadn't really intended to get involved with the tournament at all. I was going to focus on the Olympics, but I couldn't find anything I liked at the price of the Olympics. So I said, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and look at the European Tour, which I don't really follow that closely. But well, I started breaking down the players and noticed this guy, Daniel Gavins, who had been playing very well on the Challenge Tour, which is kind of their version of the Corn Ferry. And Wakefield. A uh, guy with a chance to move up the ladder and maybe contend. Uh, do you think an 80 to one's going to win? No, but I thought hey, he could be hanging around the leaderboard. We'll see what happens. And at 80 to one, I thought it was worth a shot, and uh, it, it worked out. <laughs> so, nice. That was pretty good. Real nice. Uh, Dave, we got to close out with uh, the Knights and the moves they made last week. So first, are you surprised that Flurry said, uh, "You know what? No. I am going to come back. I am going to play. I am going to join the J- uh, the Jayhawks, there the Blackhawks." There was never any doubt in my mind he was going to play. Yeah. Well, he's not. He's not ready to retire. Well, because he had a couple of bad playoff games. Guy had a phenomenal season. Uh, he's still a really good goaltender. He didn't. He didn't. Well, I think a lot of it was that he was that he was he was married to the Golden Knights and he was pissed off and his agents getting them all worked up. I think he probably was pissed off for a day or two, but it's he's yeah. got records on the horizon. Uh, why not? And he can hopefully he'll move back to Las Vegas when he's done. I mean, if you first of all, if you believe that Mark Andre Fleury wasn't in the loop of what was going on, you're insane. Uh, but so, but, so uh, you think part, all that stuff last week was started by the agent that morning? Yes, that Fleury knew not exactly where he was going, but they were telling him the whole time. Yes. These and, are the teams. And they couldn't tell him exactly where because he, they could have put things in place to block it, but they were saying you are being traded for sure. They told him. Uh, but the other part of this is, like, I, I agree with you. He's going to play. To me, Dave, like, did you think there was a possibility he was just going to say, I'm going to retire to force a trade from the Blackhawks to somewhere that he wanted to go? Uh, I guess that that would might have been a possibility, but I don't see what's wrong with being in Chicago. The team has got some good young talent. Uh, and uh, he could be a difference maker there. And he's reunited with Malcolm Subban. Oh, that's right. I, think he's, I thought he was gone. Uh, oh, that's Subban. right. I forgot about that. No, <laughs> yeah. I, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dave. We appreciate it. Wagertalk.com is where you can find Dave Koken's stuff, and uh, we'll talk to you later in the week, Dave. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks, man. There he is, Dave Koken. Uh, yeah, Dave hit on the golf tournament this weekend. He has also hit this year. On a 31 to one shot, an 11 to one, 13 to one, and 54 to one. Wow. <laughs> the 80 and 54 to one. That'll, that kind of makes your year. Have you hit two of those? Uh, yeah, it's much better than me, who has uh, had like three straight top fives, but zero winners. Have you really? I didn't yeah. even know you were betting. I've just taken some shots just because I've been hanging around some people and we've been handicapping, and I really loved uh, uh, Matsuyama. In the uh, in the Olympics, did not work out well. Top five, didn't win. Yeah, it was pretty crazy at the very end with the yeah. bronze. Oh yeah, almost got there. Would have been nice. Eighteen to one would have been good. All right, we got more breaking news in the world of uh, football and the NBA. We'll tell you, CP3 is staying in Suns land. He's not going to be joining up with any sort of uh, super team. And we'll get you an update on the uh, latest COVID issue. 
with the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, Adam's all fired up to jump in, but we're going to talk a little Bengals football. We got our football frenzy coming up in the four o'clock hour. Busy, busy Monday right here on Cofield and Company. Listen to Las Vegas Aces home games all season long right here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM, KWWN Las Vegas.